Hello and welcome into the Section 109 podcast. I'm here with Matthew, virtually again because it's Nashville Day for you. So that means you have to go be an adult and do your adult job that happens six months a year. Uh, which, by the way, is that wrapping up anytime soon? Uh, I think we'll I think we'll get out of the building in about four weeks. It's wonderful that you're a lobbyist and you're going to be like rooting for them to end session early. Um, yeah, four weeks sounds great. We we all do. Don't worry. Okay. Good. I'm glad that you guys are nothing different than the uh, the rest of uh, the citizenry that wishes they didn't. Anyway, I'm not going to get into politics here. Um, let's talk Huntsville Game Review, Matthew. So this is a different game because our listeners cannot go back and watch it on YouTube. They cannot go back and watch it on 11. It was not broadcast or streamed. It was an annual pass holders only game. And to set the stage a little bit, it did not feel quite like a regular game um, as far as stadium feel. There were no advertising boards, which this is no shot. This is just it's a, it was a preseason game, and it wasn't streamed, so there was no advertising boards. There was actually no scoreboard, which I think I, I would like to I – have a, I have a qualm to pick with that one. I think there should have been a scoreboard, and um, I, you know, if anybody's listening or if anybody asks me in the future, like, that was dumb. No scoreboard was really stupid. Um, number one, because you couldn't tell what – like, how much time was left in the game, whatever else. The players couldn't either, so how are you supposed to, like – simulate a real game when they can't tell how much time is left and you just you should have a scoreboard every game should have a scoreboard unless there's just i guess no fans but i don't know even i'm of the opinion even if there were weren't fans there should just be a scoreboard but it was fun um i had a lovely time the game finished three to one to the bad guys um huntsville matthew give us a little preview or a little review i should say of who huntsville is and why did we play them yeah, Huntsville is uh, an MLS Next Pro team um, that is starting up this year. They are uh, actually Nashville's second team, um, and uh, they're playing out of market, which is kind of a new thing for for MLS and and, and this Next Pro thing. What does that mean, playing out of market? Uh, they're not playing in Nashville. They're playing in Huntsville. So. It's going to be really interesting to watch them to see if they can develop a fan base as a reserve team. Um, there's there's some speculation out there, including from me, uh, that this is where soccer is going in this country. I think MLS wants long, long term wants uh, minor league soccer to mimic a little bit of minor league baseball, and uh, and and so it's just going to be interesting to watch them and. And how and how Nashville's gone about doing it? They don't have a, a big or even a good academy uh, at Nashville SC. So they've, with this reserve team, they're gonna they're gonna try to get some academy guys minutes. They're gonna try to get some of their of their fringe eighteen or fringe. I guess we allow twenty players now in, in the match day squad. Those kind of fringe players to keep them getting minutes and keep them fresh and ready. And you know you mix in you mix in some some talented youngsters. They've got a couple couple interesting Canadians. Uh, and then just some good pros from around from around the lower division space in USL Championship. They got a couple player coaches from the championship as well. So they've put together this this kind of an interesting group. And you know, I think they'll be pretty successful in MLS Next Pro. I think they're going about it uh, very differently than a lot of these other teams that are that are trying to focus on promoting their academy players and uh, and things like that. So it's going to be interesting. And, and what it did is it, it led us to a really good i think test i mean i think they're their usl championship kind of quality uh on on that team and they i mean let's be let's be frank they gave us some problems sorry my dogs were barking in the background so a little moment of silence there where i muted and yelled at them um i i did too i thought they were very very good i thought they were 
a little better than I expected, but also I expected this to be a very interesting and very good test. Um, I was very nervous that this was going to be a USL Championship uh, level squad. So we've played in this preseason, we've now played two USL Championship teams. Both those games were closed, but we two USL Championship teams, a USL League One team that we think is going to be pretty good in USL League One, and then an MLS Next Pro team that we think is going to be pretty good in MLS Next Pro. It'll be interesting to track those um, I'm not going to track them throughout the season, but at some point go back and look and see how they did and see how we're feeling about it. But I did, it's very rare that I find a team that we play that's more athletic and has players that are of a similar technical or maybe better technical level than our players. And I'm not saying that they were necessarily better technically than we were because I think the technical level is probably pretty similar. Uh, but like athletically, the combination of the things was, was interesting to see. Um, and you saw some players that were very, very good. Uh, and yeah, it was a very good test. I, I think you leaned over to me during the game and said, like, it's not the worst thing to lose uh, in the preseason because it, it kind of sets your it sets your expectations, sets your mind right. And uh, while we never want to lose, and like we'll talk more about the game and how we felt about it, I don't think it's the worst result because I'd rather have this result happen in preseason than in NISA games. Well, I, I I'll get to one of my one of my takeaways, um, but like the idea of playing different levels of competition in preseason to prepare you for the regular season. If you play, um, if you play, you know, five amateur squads, you're not going to be prepped for when it's time to play in the league. You want to be having to deal with problems that, that may not always come up. Uh, will sometimes, cause, cause even amateur squads have some quality and, and can do some really nice things, but you're not expecting 90 minutes of, the level of someone like a like a Huntsville or a or a Birmingham, for example, and look, we you know we we were expecting a little bit of high pressure from Knoxville. Huntsville actually brought it, and it, and it could it cost us cost us some problems. And, and you saw that a couple of times, where especially with with the fullbacks that that are that are pension as, as central midfielders and build up. When when they look to, to play a release ball, or or even or even you know some of the midfielders dropping in in those kind of central positions, when the pressure came, there were several balls during the match that were almost blindly hit out wide where an outside back would ordinarily be. Now the way Rod wants this team to play is not ordinary, uh, and and it never it never has been. But some of those simple things, especially for new players that are just figuring out the system, just trying to, to to learn how to play, you know, you can go under pressure a little bit to an autopilot uh, and and play and, and play a ball where you think someone should normally be, but they may not necessarily be there in this particular system. And so having that kind of pressure from Huntsville was really good for us to get a feel for how teams might high press us. Um, which I don't expect will happen much in NISA, but also you got to be prepared for, you know, what, what will one of our open, open cup opponents do? What will, you know, if we, if we move on to the third round of the open cup, what does that look like in terms of who we might get? There are a lot of, um, if, if we win, if we can get, yeah, of course, of course. course. Um, so like it's, it's a good, it's a good experience to have. It's necessary you, you don't want to lose, but it, it, I don't. It's preseason. Like I, I don't care. At the end of the day, it's preseason. And the, at the end of the day, this is about development, right? And that we want to. I've had a conversation with a player after the game, and and you know, it was we were just they were coming to the bar and we were just chatting, and it's a new player in town, and they said, "Look, Rod's system. It's 
particular, but we're going to be better. We're going to get better. And I was like, absolutely. I think you saw that last year. I think we got better throughout the year. And, and okay, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that alone and I'll come more. It's in one of my takeaways. But let's go straight to the first half starting 11. So the, the starting 11 for the game. We have Jean-Antoine in goal, un, unchanged and unsurprisingly. We have Jung-Woo So still at right back. Um, the trialist turned signee, which I love that, but also... I suspect he's third on the depth chart. I think there's two players ahead of him, one coming back from injury and one who's still injured. Um, we'll see how that pens out, but that's my guess. Um, but Jungwoo was, uh, started his sixth game. By the way, I didn't mention, we also played a regular MLS team and we played some amateur teams in this um, in this preseason as well. And he has started every single one of those games, to my knowledge. Um, we had Tolley at right center back, Aiden Bowers at left center back, Joseph Perez at Left back, uh, Richard Dixon, unsurprisingly, at, at central defensive midfielder, the anchor of this team. In uh, a bit of a surprise, Alex McGrath had a little bit of a, uh, a knock, a, as, as they say, a small injury, and they didn't want to risk anything. He's fine. If it was a, a league game, it sounds like he would have played, but it wasn't worth risking him in this game. So Ale Jaimez started alongside Beto, and uh, that was interesting. I yeah, that was unexpected to me. If I would have had to guess, that's not a guess I would have made pregame. Uh, Mumu started out wide on the right. Taylor Gray out wide on the left in his customary position. And Marcus up top. Um, yeah, Matthew, how were you feeling about the starting lineups? How were you... How were you... How was your prediction? Uh, it, it wasn't bad. Uh, I had three main questions going into the match. Uh, would we see Jungwoo So uh, start it right back again? We had a little bit of info that Partita was going to play about 30 minutes, um, but we weren't sure, like, was he going to play the first 30? Was he going to play the, the back 30? Um, and so that question was answered. Um, it turned was, out it was, was the back 30. Yeah, I was more interested in, in would there be any shakeups with um, with the midfield, uh, the the Beto and, and Alex McGrath combination, and keeping Mumu out wide, and that is what ended up happening. Obviously, McGrath uh, sat down for the um, for for the uh, for the knock, so Ali Hymas played instead. But everything kind of remained remained the same, and that and that makes a lot of sense. You know, new signing Juan Louis, uh, who we did not get a chance to talk about uh, because we were scooped by CFC. Thank you. Ooh, <laughs> Thank you, you want to touch? I have an idea. You want to. Sp- pause right here and just talk about the two new signings that we haven't talked about we just have two right Juan Luis yeah and we, we just have Sosa. we just yeah we just have two let's put a let's well, put a, let, let, let me finish, finish your, this, finish, this your point about, finish your thought like you know it was unlikely it was it was Juan Luis first week with us so it was unlikely he was ever going to start and we announced Luis Garcia Sosa middle of the week uh but like he had, he just arrived on Saturday right before the match so he'll get he'll get a week of of training uh, this coming, I guess this week right now, and then have the match week leading into the, the regular season. Uh, so it, it'll take him, it'll, it'll take probably both of them a little bit of time to really bet in and really get comfortable. I mean, obviously Luis Garcia Sosa has played for Rod Underwood before at Stumptown. So he'll probably be a little bit quicker to knowing the expectations, but even, even the way we're, we're playing in this year is, is very, very different uh, from how it was structured in 2021. So as with any new signing, it's, it's it's important not to put unrealistic expectations on them too uh, too early. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Uh, are you good to put a pin in this for this part of the game sure. for a second? So I, I realize like a, a good podcast would just like finish their recap and then come back to the signings, but I want to talk about the signings right now. Um, we made two signings, uh, and we this we might be done. 
Um, we're at 21 players, I think. Um, I suspect there might be some practice players or there might be an academy signing or two or maybe another pro. You never know if somebody drops down, but we're pretty close. Uh, these two signings are a winger, um, ostensibly a winger in Juan Luis, and it, ostensibly a free 8 or free 10 in Luis Garcia Sosa. Now, those aren't – we can talk a little bit about what we expect them roles-wise, but I want to talk about profile of players. So both of these, play, these players have been in NISA. Um, Juan Luis had six goals and two assists last year. Uh, if those numbers sound familiar, it's because they're very similar to Taylor Gray's numbers um, and for a much worse team. Now, am, I, am I suggesting that he's going to come and take Taylor Gray's spot? Absolutely not. They're very different players. They play very different positions. Uh, I just think it's interesting that we got a proven Nisa goal scorer, something that I was very keen on getting in the past, someone who's proven they can score goals in Nisa and on a bad team, making it theoretically a little harder, right? Sorry, Syracuse. Uh, RIP Syracuse, I guess I should say. I'm not counting Salt City as a continuation of that. And Luis Garcia Sosa, who, man, I am so, so excited about. So Luis was at Stumptown with Rod two years ago. Uh, he was at Cal United last year. He had some injury troubles last year, which is why I understand he didn't play that much at Cal, or he didn't play for a large portion of the season because of that injury. But two years ago, Matthew, if you had asked me, Andrew, who do you want? Who do you want to see on CFC? Who are your top five NISA players? A, a, a similar question to that. Luis Garcia Sosa was in that um, in that conversation. I thought he was absolutely game-changing quality in, uh, I guess that would have been 2020. Um, 21. 2021. Okay. 2021. And while it's just, this is an unexpected signing. Well, I don't think he's going to immediately be the focal point of the offense. I wouldn't be because that's Alex McGrath. Um, and, and then well, I, also, well, I should say the midfield, not the offense, the, the midfield, like moving forward. I think Luis Garcia Sosa is likely to be a starter as we go forward. I don't know if it will be in week one, uh, but he's played for rod before. And I, I think he is starting quality. And as the last signing, or one of the last signings, late in the offseason, this is a very, very exciting thing. I know we talked about there may be drop-downs from other places. I don't know where Luis was. I don't know if he was in camp with the USL Championship team or where he was. But this, to me, feels like a drop-down. This feels like a, a really good quality player. And, man, our depth in the midfield, which we talked about the left center midfielder, the right center midfielder, the, the non-Alex McGrath center midfielder being the question mark I don't know if he starts April 1 I don't because I don't know how's his fitness how's he gel with the team etc etc but I do believe he will be the answer starting if he's healthy Uh, and he gets back to whatever form he was in two years ago I think he'll be the starter or certainly one of the rotation of starters yeah, and and obviously his his versatility. He can play a, as one of those kind of central midfield players. He can also play as a winger. I would not be shocked to see him get a little bit of time this year uh, from the right wing and kind of playing. If, if if you think about like the right winger and and the right side at ten, uh, they don't always move around a ton in build up, but there's there's a lot of potential for some like crisscross action there. If you have the right kind of uh, the right kind of, of central midfielder, more of an Alex McGrath compared to a, to a Beto Alvarenga, who I think tries to sit in a little bit more. Um, and it is just like slightly more static, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy with these two signings. Um, you know, it'll be really interesting to see. There's, there's, some, there's some real depth with this team, which it's been a while since we've been able to say that, probably since really the amateur days. 
that there's actual like serious depth and competition for places. And hopefully that raises the level of everybody and you, and you start to get the, you know, the first group really separate itself uh, and, and take this thing another level, another level higher. So again, that's Juan Louis, who is ostensibly a winger. Um, we, that's where we expect to see him play the most time as that winger probably wrote. He's so it's two left footers also, by the way, uh, I think three of our last, Four signings are left. Yeah, three of our last four signings in Aiden Bowers, uh, Juan Luis, and Luis Garcia Sosa, not including um, Beto in that. I think. Yeah, I think we have. I think we have five on the five uh, left footers on the team now. Yeah, I don't. Well, Beto isn't left footed, right? Like, I'm not getting that wrong. But I'm saying, like, I don't remember exactly the order they were announced in. But like, I'm thinking back. Like, that's three more left footers uh, announced in the last. Maybe it's five signings, but um, love that. And love the versatility of someone that can cut inside. I mean, we saw Alex McGrath, Ian Serrell, left footer. We saw Ian Serrell play on the right side. Um, we talked about this last year. And then Alex McGrath playing the left side quite a bit. You can see that with Luis and, and Alex, too. It, it, it just becomes interesting. So let's get back. Shout out to uh, shout out to Ian Serrell for making his championship debut last night. Hell yeah. Congratulations, Ian Serrell. Um, all right. So let's go back to the, to the game. So the first half. Um, let's see. I don't even remember the scores in the first half. Do you? Uh, it's 1-0 in the first half. Okay, I it, it, listen. It, it was a it was a defensive miscue. Um, gave away the ball on the top of the eighteen. You just can't do that. And um, and and we were punished for it. And that's kind of all I want to say about that. Yes, yeah, so like I didn't see the goal. I'll be honest with you. I was uh, drumming and turned around the other way. And I I really like to rewatch games. And I'm very sad I can't rewatch this one because I I I have thoughts and I have takes, but I was very involved in other things. So I don't feel as good about those takes. Um, but yeah, I completely missed that goal. And also, we were getting pressed. So yeah. I mean, I, we, we made a mistake. We made a mistake under high pressure and and played the ball directly to a Huntsville player. It's a little bit like the um, Valley United thing that happened last year where we didn't get we didn't have to pay for it. Like Yeah, it's exactly like that. I actually do, I do think that we had some good moments in breaking down pressure. Um, where we worked the ball around through the center backs and rich out to a midfielder and then out to the wing, um, very systematically building up and into space. And it didn't come too much. We didn't, we are still figuring out this is a, a not a non linear thing, progress is. And, but I, I think that we, you said something earlier that I disagree with, which is that you said you don't think we'll get pressed very much this year. And I think some teams will try. Um, I think you'd be dumb as hell to try to press us. I don't disagree, but I think if you have a very athletic team and you say, how do I want to disrupt it? There's two ways you can disrupt it. Huntsville and um, Knoxville both did this. They fouled immediately, Italian style. As soon as we got through any sort of break, any sort of person that beat the first man, just you know, an immediate tactical foul. Um, make it look like it's it's a professional foul. Make it look like it's you're going for the ball. You know, Don't get your yellow card, but also hack them down. They did that to us repeatedly. We will see, I believe, a lot of that this year by experienced teams. Your teams like uh, Bay Cities was last year, which RIP Bay Cities, they were inexperienced and stupid. And they played open with us and let us just carve them up. I don't believe a team with some more veterans, even if they played open, would let us get away with that. And I'm not saying like, I, I don't know that Nisuk's quality is going to be a problem this year for that. But I do think the Michigan Stars are going to hack you down. And 
depending on how many pros and how well coached the other teams are, old pros, I mean, they have, that will be a, a thing that we continue to see. I'm not saying that's our kryptonite. What I'm saying is this is a good test and a good thing for us to see now because I think good teams will try to stymie us that way and even bad teams may as well. I'm not so worried about getting pressed because I think that's tough to do. And I think we will continue to get better throughout the season and become more and more press resistant as we get, do we develop the chemistry, we develop the the wherewithal, we develop the all the things. I do think that it's important to note that the physicality here, I don't I don't want to say we struggled with it because I think we stayed within our bounds, but I think you really saw we missed Alex McGrath a lot. Um, I think he's a real game changer in midfield when the game gets physical because he's he doesn't, even though he's not a big guy, he doesn't, at least at this level, get pushed out by more physical players very much. And yeah, I just think we'll we'll see some more of this during the season. I just don't think we'll see anybody of this quality of player press us during the season outside of maybe the Open Cup if we if we advance. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I will say there's one thing that I've not, we've not really seen much of in the portion of preseason that we've been able to watch. And I, I wonder if that will come back to bite us when we get into uh, the Gold Star match on April the 1st or, or the Open Cup match and the, these first couple matches of the season. We've spent a ton of time in in games trying to, to build up and, and and start from there. And you've seen a lot of attacks not even get past halfway because of the other team being very, very good and 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 doing pressure and and, and like forcing us to you know, as we learn to figure it out. And what that's led to is not a ton of even entries into the attacking third. So a, a potential concerning thing to watch for on April 1st is going to be when we get into the attacking third, which will be more often than we saw against Huntsville, than we saw against Knoxville. Uh, like I just, come on. It's going, like we're going to get into the attacking third a lot more. Uh, I, I just believe the buildup will be a little bit, we'll be two weeks further along and the buildup's just going to be a little bit easier against a lesser quality team compared to the Huntsville's and Knoxville's of the world. I agree. You know, do the guys, do they understand the attacking third movements? Do they understand how to work together in that front? Is the timing together? We saw this last year. There was a lot of like danger adjacent. It was the phrase you like to use. And are we going to be danger adjacent? Are we going to be dangerous? Will it matter? Because there's also sometimes the the golf and attacking quality between or the golf and quality between teams sometimes mean you can be danger adjacent, and that's just going to be good enough. We're going to see. We're going to find out when the games start mattering. We're going to find out, you know, where this team truly does stack up in in the grand scheme of NISA. The other thing about this preseason, and we didn't get to see the Beeman game, so we don't know for sure. We also didn't see the Memphis and Birmingham game, but I think I can rule them out for this. I don't know how many teams we've played in this preseason that have bunkered against us. Um, Knoxville played a mid-block. Um, we, I don't know if we've played a bunkered team. I don't know if Beeman bunkered. But we will see some bunkered teams in NISA. I don't know that that will be the prevailing way to play against us because I don't know how teams are going to try to match up against us this year. But it's it's it'll be interesting. I agree. But also, I'm just not worried about us struggling on April 1st. We need to win April 1st. I want to be clear. Like I'm not saying we're going to lose or I'm going to be, oh, no, it doesn't matter if we lose. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the team we are April 1st will not be the team that we are September 1st. Just period. Um, all right, let's go over. I'm just going to go through some subs, some moments in this game. So I don't have written down here what time we, we conceded, and, and I don't even have what time we scored. And 
it actually doesn't matter. Um, so Juan Luis came in for Ali Jaimez at half, um, and Mumu shifted into the midfield, and Ali Jaimez went, uh, Ali Jaimez went to the bench, and Juan Luis went to the right wing, which was interesting. He's left-footed. He cut in a lot. He was not your typical rod winger. Some of the decisions he made were different. He's also only been in camp for a week. I thought he looked good. I th- I came in with, and I, I mean this respectfully, kind of low expectations for Juan Luis um, because he played for Syracuse, and I just am not sure how he's going to fit in. And my impressions of him were really good. I thought he looked solid, and I'm interested to see what he becomes. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's very interesting. Ethan Corrin also came in for Aiden Bowers at half, and I think you saw a big difference in a player that has played in Rod's system for uh, a whole year now. Um, Aiden Bowers hasn't been here that long. He's still learning. Uh, I believe he'll be the starting left center back throughout the season. Uh, so this is no no. There's nothing. I'm not saying anything bad about Aiden Bowers, but he's got to learn the offensive system and defensive as well, but especially the offensive system. And Ethan Korn came in and immediately changed the game with his feet. Uh, he wasn't perfect. He's not really a center back, which we've talked about before. But it was he. He the game started running through the back through him. The ball started getting to him, and he started kind of dictating play from center back. So that was just interesting to watch. Uh, Marcus gets a PK on a Taylor Gray hockey assist, meaning that the ball went over the top of Taylor Gray. The goalkeeper cleaned him out, didn't get the ball, and they gave us a penalty. And Marcus absolutely nailed the penalty. It was great. Um, Hugo then came in for Muape, and Burke came in for Jean-Antoine in the 70th. or roughly the 70th. We don't really know because there was no clock. CFC, there was no clock. Thank you for that. Um... Fabian came in for Marcus. Fabian has, um, it's interesting to see, like, yeah, it was good to see uh, Marcus get a little break there. I like to see that. Um, Interesting to see Fabian get more minutes. I'm I'm liking that. Uh, He didn't really stick out to me. Hugo stuck out to me because he changed his hair, and holy moly, did he stick out. Um, But I thought that was great, and great vibes. Hugo, keep that hair like it is, please. And um, trialist Sebastian Capozucci, which or Capozucci, if you say it in Italian, which if anyone remembers that name, he was a trialist back in 2019, I believe, or was it 2020? 2020. 2020. He was a trialist. Uh, we also faced him when he played for the New York Cosmos. He's played for Detroit City. Um, our understanding is he is just a trialist in camp, mostly training because we're not really, I don't think we're really looking for another center back, but uh, I think he's getting some high quality training minutes and we're getting to look at a good player um, and then, you know, mutually beneficial there and who knows what happens. But I just wouldn't hold your breath because I think our roster is more or less complete. I, I think he's probably getting valuable training minutes with us and then, you know, he'll move on to somewhere else most likely, but who knows? But he came in for Tolly in the 81st and we shifted to kind of sort of a three man. Um, at that point with like the way we were playing with him staying back more than the, um, the left back. I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this game. Cause I only got one re I only got one watch and I get a rewatch, but I do think our fullbacks and I'll, we'll talk about this later. If our, if in the season, our, our fullbacks change, I think our fullbacks played much more like last season as opposed to this season. So Matthew, what do you got to tell me about the subs? Uh, I was just going to mention, uh, again, Jonathan Partita also came in for Jung Russo at, at the 60th minute. Oh, my bad. Uh, I can't read my to, bad to get the 30 minutes, uh, that he was, that he was due. Um, yeah, I, I did not know this. We, uh, we ended up hanging out with Rod a little bit, uh, after, after the match at the Atlanta United game. Um, uh, shout out Davis for the tickets, uh, for that one. And Rod told us that Partido was originally a defensive midfielder for LA force and kind of growing up. And, um, well, he was like the classic striker that became a defensive midfielder, you know, as a, as a youth player. Um, and then Bay Cities was the one that converted him to outside back. So it makes a lot of sense 
given we were looking to, to pinch those outside backs uh, into the midfield and build up. It makes a lot of sense that he, you know, he already has some of those qualities as a defensive midfielder. And I mean, like you play for Bay cities, you're going to be technical. You're going to be able to go forward. And I think we saw him do a, a little bit more of that than, than Jung Wusso did uh, in, in his time during the match. And I think that's something to watch out for, for going forward. Uh, as he progresses back to 90 minutes fitness. Uh, you, you definitely saw him provide a little bit more overlapping uh, that that had happened. And that's and that's perfectly okay. Like sometimes um, when you're building up and you're pinched in, you know, it's normal to be there. But at some point, I think the system does require you to get on your horse and get wide. Uh, and we've not really seen that from any outside back in preseason yet uh, on the right-hand side. We have seen that a little bit with JP on the left. Uh, it's not been terribly often because we just have not been making a ton of attacking third entries yet. Um, but I, I would look for the outside backs to be pinched in uh, during buildup, uh, and especially depending on more pinched or not, depending on where the ball is, and then looking to get on their horses uh, to provide some width when it when it is time, the wingers will be providing width for the first uh, for the first you know phase of build up, and then that switches responsibility when the wingers need to become more more forward and more active and around the box. Uh, I I mean I I didn't mind any of the subs. Uh, it's preseason, like you know you're trying to get guys minutes. You're trying to you know, stop getting guys certain minutes when maybe there's a little bit too much too early, and. You know, that's just uh, it was an, it was an interesting match. Let's do let's do our three takeaways since we don't have that much time left. Agreed. Uh, you want to do yours first? Yeah, I, I will. Uh, so my my three takeaways are number one, handling high pressure. I thought we struggled a little bit with this. I thought Huntsville was uh, I thought they were very athletic, uh, had a good, a really good quality crop of player. Um like even more so than in, in terms of the pedigree than even like uh, of Knoxville. Um, and, and I thought they would be a good test and they were, and it, and it gave us some problems and I'm happy we had those problems because that means we know things that we need to work on. Like this is, this is a good thing for our preseason. Um, my second takeaway is simple versus complicated. Huntsville played relatively simply. There were, there was not a lot of, insane tactical evolution stuff they pressure they try to win the ball back recycle it play simple passes get out wide cross it into the box make things happen and they're very very simple that comes together a lot faster than pinching your outside backs into central midfield having the wingers drop in releasing the pressure and then moving out and then the next phase like our system takes more time to, to put together. It takes more time to learn. There's a lot. Anytime you start passing the ball um, with, you know, a triangle here, then a triangle here, then a triangle here, it just takes more time. And uh, that's part of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, this team is going to be, you know, at one level for now, trying to grow, trying to grow, but hopefully over time and by the end of the season, we can hit even greater heights. Yeah, I, I I agree. Also, their three goals, two of them were rebounds off of saves. Um, 
and one of them was a turnover. So like they didn't do and create a ton to, yeah. they just played simple and played well. Um, and I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, my third takeaway yeah. is the level of competition rel- relative to Nisa. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but Huntsville is, is in my opinion, you know, USL championship quality. And, and I realize there's a range within the championship, but like there's some really, really good players there. And that's just unlike truthfully, unlike anything we're going to see in Nisa this year. And, you know, the, the test will be when the level of opposition comes down, are we, do we, you know, play down to it or can we, can we take what we've learned in preseason and, and play sharp and start taking truly, truly taking it to other teams, you know, building up quickly through them. And once we're in the attacking phase, can we keep them pinned in, keep the ball, keep probing, recycle and see if we can start really creating, creating some chances and creating some goals from it. Don't forget, we were danger adjacent for the first part of the season, and then we got much more dangerous, and then we had a little slump as teams adjusted, and then we got much more dangerous again. So it, it progress is not linear, which is my second, and I've, this is the second time I've said that this podcast, it's about the third time I've touched on a similar subject. Um, that's my, my point number two here. Uh, progress is not linear, and so I am happy with where we are currently, and I think we will get better. Um, I'm not... Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not too worried about preseason and ups and downs. I would be if this was last year, but because I learned from last year and watching a Rod Underwood coach team, I'm just not super worried. Um, call me week 10 and see see if we're still really, really struggling. Like, Yeah, that's a problem. Um, this is a preview of what good teams might try to do to us. I've already said that in a, in a similar way, and I just I think it's a really good test, and I'm, I am nervous because I think that the way to beat a very technical team is to – if the referee lets you beat the shit out of them and that can happen, that happened much more in the Knoxville game, but it happened a little bit in this game. And yeah, it's something we have to work on. And then number three is a lot of new faces here. And these are all, there's a, there's a similar theme for all of this, meaning we did not turn over as many players as I would have liked. I mean, I mean, sorry, we didn't bring back quite as many players I would have liked, not related to the specific players, just the overall number of players to have cohesion and build on a Rod Underwood version two year two. Just is what it is. So we're gonna take. Some, it's gonna take some time to get guys together, including our two center backs. Um, I'm not saying they were poor, but there there is room, plenty of room for them to grow. They're both very very good players, and they're gonna have to learn to play together with the team and be a good partnership. And that's just gonna take some time. Um, yeah, uh, my bonus takeaway here. That's kind of my three. Uh, it's a good preview of what teams might uh, want to try to do to us. Progress is not linear, and a lot of new faces. Uh, bonus takeaway: I am sunburned. Um, I'm an idiot. And I didn't think about the game being at one o'clock. I was like, it's freezing cold. Who cares? And didn't think about sunscreen. And um, my calves are burned. You know, my calves are burned, Matthew. I wore shorts. I don't regret that. Uh, the sun was reflecting off the bleacher behind me and burned the shit out of my calves. Um, yeah, that was really dumb. And I am dumb. And don't be like me. Wear sunscreen. Um, Matthew, I just wore pants and stayed warm and didn't get a sunburn. I would have so. died of overheating if I wore pants. <laughs> Playing that drum, I needed all the uh, airflow possible. Well, Matthew, do you have anything left on this uh, game recap? Uh, maybe more of a general preseason recap, and, and just that I think it's been a good preseason. It's been uh, tough quality opposition, uh, a lot of learning experiences. We're still betting in new players, uh, and and you know it's been a, a long time. I think preseason sometimes can be 
a bit of a drag when it's this long, because at some point you just want to start getting, you know, getting going and like playing matches that matter. And we're there now, you know, the, the guys will have a week of training this week. Uh, and then they'll come in on Monday next week and it'll be, it'll be showtime. It'll be match prep. You know, what is, you know, working on what we do well, you know, paying attention to a couple things. We don't really know what gold star is going to look like. Um, but focusing on us, uh, is, is what matters. And it's going to, when we play well, it's going to be very hard for teams in Nisa to beat us. So focusing on the, we make sure we can play well, that, that guys learn each other's names and that we get to, um, we, we get to a good point there. I'll be really curious to see what the starting lineup on opening day looks like. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's showtime. It's season time now. It is Matthew. So, all right. That was another recap. Again, it's, it's weird. Cause I would have liked to watch the game a bunch of times, but can't do it. So anyway, listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope we will be watching matches together soon. April 1st. It's coming soon. See you then.